your Bible with you, you can go ahead and be opening to the book of 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, we will be in that text here in just a few moments. I was talking with Joshua Holman <laughs> and asked him, do you think my sermon today is going to be shorter than Gavin's was last week? And I won't tell you the answer that he gave. No, our brother Gavin is doing a great job. The bad thing about preaching today is that everything is recorded not only just audio, but video. And all that's on our website and YouTube channel and Facebook and everywhere. So we can go back and check, those of us who preach, how long we preach. So I just want you to remember the number 40 this morning. As in 40 minutes and 40 seconds. So as long as I don't hit 40 minutes and 40 seconds. If I go 40 minutes and 39 seconds, I'll be doing okay, right? It is good to see all of you here this morning. What a joy and a blessing it is for us to gather together as God's people. We sometimes take for granted times like this when we can be together. Maybe that's what we grew up doing. Maybe that's what we've done all of our life. But it certainly is a wonderful thing. God knew exactly what he was doing when he designed his church the way that he did. And so we ought to all be thankful. We ought to all be joyful that we are able to gather with God's people this morning and offer our worship unto him and to open his word together and to think about some good things that he has had to say to us in his word. I'm so uh, glad that we just sang the song that we did if things are not well with you spiritually, if things are not well with you and God this morning, especially if you're in the audience this morning and you are not a Christian, you are not a child of God and a follower of Jesus Christ, I hope that there will be something that I say, something that God says through His Word that will prick your heart and cause you to think very seriously and very soberly about your need to be in fellowship with Him. When we read the New Testament, we find that baptism has a place in God's plan for our salvation. While it is certainly true that baptism alone will not save us, it is equally true that we are not saved without baptism. And since Bible baptism is necessary for salvation, we need to know what God says to us about it in His Word. Although obviously as you read through the New Testament, you find that the New Testament has much to say about baptism. This morning, we're going to focus on five answers that Scripture gives to the question, what happens in baptism? These five uh, answers that we're going to give to this question are not by any means an exhaustive list of what happens in baptism. But they are five things I think that are very crucial and very critical for us to consider. And so this lesson this morning maybe somewhat directed to those in the audience who are not yet Christians, who have not been baptized into Jesus Christ and are not in fellowship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. But I think, hopefully, there will be something that all of us can learn 
Because all of these passages that we're going to look at this morning were not primarily written to those who were not Christians, those who were out in the world and outside of Christ. They were passages that were written to those who had already been baptized into Christ Jesus, maybe to remind them of what they did when they entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ to help them even grow in their understanding of what they did when they were baptized into Christ. And so it is my hope that in this lesson about baptism, there will be something for all of us to take away. And it might even be the case for those of us who are Christians that uh, we might sit back and think, well, I know all of this. But in our talkings with other people that are not Christians, as we have opportunities to talk to them about the good news of Jesus Christ, maybe this will jog our memory. Maybe this will help us to think in a way perhaps that we haven't thought as we enter into discussions with people specifically about baptism. Number one, as we think about this question, what happens in baptism? We want to give the answer that is found here in the text that hopefully you're open to in 1 Peter chapter 3, where the Apostle Peter writing about this says that in baptism we appeal to God for a good conscience. I want you to read there with me in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. 1 Peter 3, 21 and 22. Peter says, corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been subjected to him. As we perhaps have often read this verse and probably know Uh, what this verse says to us. And maybe we've even had people who are outside of Christ point us to this particular passage and ask us questions about what it means. I think it is very clear, at least in my mind, that Peter is clearly saying to us here in this text that baptism saves us. However, he is also making it equally clear that it is not the water in baptism that saves us. He says to us there at verse 21, he's not talking about the removal of dirt from the flesh. He's not talking about us being dirty on the outside and baptism cleaning our flesh, cleaning the outer man, if you will. And we all know as we read through Scripture that it is really our faith in Jesus Christ that is what saves us and that is what compels us to comply with God's instructions as to what we need to do to be right with Him. And included in those instructions, of course, is the instruction or the command to be baptized. Believing in Christ without being baptized into Him will not result in our salvation. But neither will being baptized without believing in Christ result in our salvation. If someone is, even as we often point out and notice from the text that baptism, at least Bible baptism, baptism that has something to do with our salvation is a full immersion of a person in water. Even if we were to participate in that particular action, if we do not have faith in Jesus as Christ, the Son of God, if we do not have an intention to make Jesus our Lord and Savior from this point on, then I would submit to you that being baptized, being immersed in water, does not result in our salvation. However, when faith results in baptism, we then have a good conscience before God because we know that we have done His will 
We have responded to the grace and mercy and patience and forgiveness and love and all of those attributes that make God God. We have responded to that in the way that Scripture tells us we need to respond in order to be saved from our sins. And I think it's very important that we realize that it is at that point that we can uh, truthfully say that we have a good conscience before God. Before baptism, our conscience is dirty. It is filthy from the stain of sin. But in baptism, we are earnestly seeking for God to give us a good conscience. We are asking God to cleanse our conscience from sin. And at that particular moment, I believe Peter is telling his audience in the first century and us today, it is at that moment that God does that for us. And so again, Peter is stressing, I think, here to his audience and to us that baptism has nothing to do with cleaning the outer man. And at the same time, it has everything to do with cleaning the inner man so that we can know that we have entered into a right relationship with our good and great and holy God. God has given all of us a conscience, hasn't he? I think even for people who might dispute the fact that whether God has created us in his image or not, whether they believe in God or not, they would have to say that there is something in their mind, some, some little trigger. And it could be that they have just gone so far away from God that perhaps their conscience is not as keen as it should be. It's not trained by the word of God and his principles and his truth. But even they, I think, if they have any honesty at all, would have to say that there is something in the back of their mind that would tell them this particular thing is wrong or right. And that is the conscience that God has given us. And so in baptism, we are appealing to God for a good conscience. Secondly, what happens in baptism? We are saved from our sins. This may be the answer that we immediately think about as we think about this question and maybe even as we have discussions with people about uh, true spiritual biblical baptism. I want us to go to the Gospel of Mark for just a moment in Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, and let's read the words of Jesus here in verses 15 and 16. Mark says to us at verse 16 of that chapter, verse 15 rather of that chapter, and he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Uh, the words that we have just read, I think, are some of the last words that we have recorded of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as he spoke, as he walked in this world before he ascended back to his Father in heaven. And of course, all the words that Jesus spoke that we have recorded in Scripture are certainly important, aren't they? Because they are from the Messiah of God Himself. But especially the last words that someone might say before they know that their earthly life here is soon to be ended, they are very important words. They are very significant words. But having said that, I would also encourage us to realize that these words are just as important, at least the words of verse 16, are just as important as the words that Jesus Christ spoke in verse 15. In fact, there is a connection, I believe, that Jesus is making for us that Mark and giving us this account of Christ's words on this occasion that he is making for us between 15 and 16. It is our job, it is our responsibility as disciples of Christ, as those who have been baptized into Christ, as those, as we just spoke of, who have appealed to God for a good conscience, we want to live and walk in a clean, holy, and healthy way before God from now on. It is our responsibility there in verse 15 to go into all the world 
And to take the good news that we have received, that we have believed, that we have acted upon, that guides our life now, to take that same good news and to preach it to all creation. But as we preach that gospel message then, we are to urge people who hear that message of salvation in Christ to believe in Christ and to be baptized into Christ in order to be saved from their sins. This, of course, isn't a a message that is unique to Jesus himself. As you continue on through the gospel or through the the New Testament, rather, uh, you find this is the same message that first century preachers preach to their audiences. Over in the book of Acts, of course, in Acts chapter 2, we have this great sermon here on the day of Pentecost as Peter is getting up with the apostles and he is talking to this audience of thousands that have gathered about what they have done, that they have crucified the Christ, the Son of God, that they have put to death Jesus the Christ and to realize who Jesus is, that He's not some person who is lying in a tomb somewhere like David was. He is one whom God has raised from the dead. He is now even seated at the Father's right hand. And this is a conclusion to that sermon at verse 36. Peter says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made Him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the same message, I think, that Jesus was telling His disciples, His apostles, the eleven there, before He ascended back to His Father in Mark chapter 16. Having heard and believed the message of the crucified and risen Christ, these Jews here on the day of Pentecost in the city of Jerusalem, they needed to repent of their sins. They needed to make a change in their life. They needed to make a change in their direction, a change in their thinking, a change in their living. And they needed to be baptized into Christ in order to be forgiven of their sins. Paul, in looking back on his own conversion to Christ, said this in the book of Acts in chapter 22, about the messenger of Jesus, Ananias, that was sent to him. And notice what he says, he recalls those words, beginning at verse 14 in Acts 22. Ananias said uh, to Paul or Saul at this time, The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear an utterance from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to all men of what you have seen and heard. Now why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Saul had seen the righteous one. He had seen Jesus himself. He had heard a message from his mouth. And he believed in him as the Christ, the Son of God. His previous life, of course, before becoming a Christian, was to persecute those who are following the way, Jesus the Christ. But now he has seen him, he has heard him, he has examined the evidence for himself, and he has come to the conclusion that he truly is the Christ, the Son of God. However, in order for God to truly wash away Paul's sins, he had to be baptized. It's important for us to remember and to know that before baptism, we are lost in our sins. Of course, there is a time for all of us don't believe that we are born into this world as being sinful people. And there is a time when we are innocent before God, when we are right before God. But there is also a time if we live long enough that we become accountable to God. And all of us at some point in our life that are sitting here this morning and every person 
that is in our world around us, they, if they have lived long enough, they have come to the point in their life where they have made a choice to sin against God. And so before baptism, we are lost in our sins. But in baptism, we are saved from our sins. Thirdly, what happens in baptism, we put on Jesus Christ. I want you to go to the, the book of Galatians for just a moment in Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 is, if you know anything about this book, Paul was writing to Christians in the churches in the region of Galatia. They, they were people who had been baptized into Christ. They were people who had appealed to God for a good conscience. They had been saved from their sins. But there were some people that were coming among them and trying to get them to leave Christ behind. Kind of, kind of parallel, I think, in many ways to the book of Hebrews. And Paul is trying to tell them in no uncertain terms that they need to follow Jesus Christ, that they are justified by faith in Jesus Christ and responding in faith to the grace that God has offered them in Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice some words of the Apostle Paul toward the end of chapter 3 here in the book of Galatians. He says at verse 26, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Some versions that you're reading from this morning say there in verse 27, All of you who have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Before baptism, we are, are wearing the dirty and smelly clothes of sin. Maybe if you haven't been baptized into Christ this morning, or even if you have and you think about your life before Christ, you might think, well, I wasn't really that bad of a person. You know, I wasn't a person who was out here involved in all kinds of immoral and illegal and unethical things in my life. I was a pretty decent person. But the fact remains that before baptism, we were all wearing the dirty, smelly clothes of sin it is in baptism into Jesus Christ that we remove those old clothes and we are clothed, we clothe ourselves with Christ. We put him on. Well, what does that mean? What, what does it mean to be clothed with Christ or to put on Christ? Well, it means to think as Jesus Christ thought. How do we know how Jesus thought? Well, we have to go to Scripture, don't we? We have to go back to the Gospels specifically. We have to look at other things that other writers said. Maybe looking back as the Gospel writers from Acts on to Revelation tell us about Jesus and go back to the time when Jesus lived here on earth and to think, how did Jesus think about situations? How did He think about people? How did He think about doing His Father's will? To be clothed with Christ or to put on Christ means that we have to make Christ's character our character as we tried to think about some of these things in our congregational theme last year about how we can be more like Jesus. To be clothed or to put on Christ is to live to do His will, not our own will. It is to be conformed to His image. It is to truly become one with Jesus Christ. To the point that as we grow and mature in Jesus Christ, hopefully we can get to the point not that we are perfectly sinless as He was, but we can get to the point that people who know us very well can look at us and they, they really don't see where Christ ends and we begin. Because we have become so united with Jesus Christ. Certainly I'm not saying to you in any way at all this morning that that process occurs all at once in baptism. You can look at passages like Romans chapter 13 and verse 14 
where the Apostle Paul is instructing, again, Christians, those who have been baptized into Christ, he instructs them, even as Christians, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, to put off all the, the sins, the filth of the flesh, and to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a continual process and something that we will continually strive to be more and more like Christ and never attain to that, at least in this life. But having said all that, we need to realize that baptism, I believe Scripture tell us, tells us, is the point at which we begin to put on Christ inwardly and outwardly. And connected to that, fourthly, what happens in baptism, we receive a new identity. I want you to go to the book of Romans. Uh, again, a, a passage maybe that we think of when we think about baptism and trying to, to have a better understanding of it ourselves or in discussions with people who are not Christians Paul, again, is not writing this to those who are out in the world. He's not writing it to people who have not made the decision to become followers of Jesus Christ. He is writing it to those who have done that. And he is reminding them of what they have done because it is important to their life now in Christ. He says in verse 1 of chapter 6, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection." Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin for he who has died is freed from sin. Whether we want to admit it or not, as we maybe have the tendency sometimes just to think about our past, whether it's our past before we became a Christian or just what happened yesterday or a year ago, that we kind of think of it sometimes in glowing terms and we think about the positive things and we get out all of the negative things in our life. But the reality is, as Paul was writing to these Christians, for them and for us, before baptism, we were identified with the devil. We, we were sons of the devil, if you will. But in baptism, we are now identified with Jesus Christ. Before baptism, I think Paul is saying here in this text in Romans chapter 6, we are a sinner and we are a slave of sin to some degree in some way in our life. But in baptism, he says, here is the good news of the gospel of Christ. We become a new person and we are now a new creation in Christ. We are a saint now who lives to serve Him. And that doesn't mean that we don't have our faults. That doesn't mean we don't have shortcomings. That doesn't mean even as a Christian that we're never going to sin again. But our identity has changed. And we need to consider ourselves with this new identity. Before baptism, Paul says in this text, we are dead in sin. But in baptism, we die to sin. And in baptism, we are buried with Christ into death. We are crucifying the old man of sin and we are raised with Christ into life. He says, now you need to know that your mission for the rest of your earthly life is to walk, to walk, to live in newness of life with Christ Jesus. To me, all of these truths that are contained here in this text teach us that baptism is the point 
at which we receive a new identity as a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's why baptism is so important. That's why baptism is crucial in our salvation. Because if we have not been baptized into Christ out of our faith in Jesus Christ, then we're still lost in our sins. We are still being a son of the devil. Fifthly and finally, as we think about this question this morning, what happens in baptism, we find from Scripture that Christ adds us to His church. Go back to the book of Acts. As we looked at some earlier verses just a few moments ago, back to verse 41. Again, as Peter was preaching this great sermon about who Jesus is, not who He was, but who He is and always will be, and about what they had done to Him as they are pricked in their heart, as, as Luke tells us there at verse 37, and Paul goes on to speak some other words to them there at verse 40. But notice verse 41, Luke says, So then those who had received his word, the word of Peter, were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. As he goes on to tell us what they were doing, not just individually, but what they were doing collectively. And how this was a, a, a new new thing for them in their life. They had come from all different parts of the world, Jews here to Jerusalem, not to become Christians really, but they had come for the day of Pentecost and now their life was totally changed. They have appealed to God for a good conscience. They're saved from their sins in baptism. They have put on Christ. They have received this new identity as being a true child of God. And as they are doing all these wonderful things collectively, Luke ends that description in verse 47 by saying that the Lord was adding to their number Day by day, those who were being saved. There were about, of course, 3,000 Jews who heard Peter preach the gospel of Christ and followed his instructions to repent and to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When they were baptized into Christ, though, I think the implication here is and the instruction here is from this passage that it was the Lord Jesus Christ who joined them together that they were now not all just separate individuals doing their own thing in life, but now they had a common connection. And their common connection was, of course, to God. Their common connection was to His Son, Jesus Christ. And now the Lord was joining these 3,000 on the day of Pentecost together so that they became His body. They became His church. And as the gospel continued to be proclaimed in the city of Jerusalem and throughout the region of Judea and to Samaria and to the remotest parts of the earth, that people continued to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, that there is salvation in Christ, that He has been risen from the dead, that He is reigning at the Father's right hand, that He has made, been made both Lord and Christ. They heard that good news and they believed it and they turned away from their sin and turned to Jesus Christ. And they too, like these 3,000 on the day of Pentecost, they were baptized into Christ. And at that point, they too were saved from their sins. And Christ added them to His church, to His body of saved people. I think it's important that we realize that if we are going to submit to baptism that is talked about in the Scripture, that we do not in baptism join ourselves to a denomination. In baptism, we do not join ourselves to a religious organization and even in baptism, I don't believe the Scripture tells us that we join ourselves to a local church, even a church that belongs to Christ. But in baptism, we are joined with Christ. And it is Christ, as the head of His church, who adds us 
to His one true body of saved people. This is a totally another, different lesson from the one that I'm preaching this morning. But upon doing that, I think as we read through the New Testament, at least I come to the conclusion that we need to find a group in the location where we are that is trying to serve Christ, that truly does belong to Christ as far as we can tell. And we need to make the decision that we want to be a part of that group. But that's after we have been baptized. It is Christ who adds us to His body of saved people. Well, it may seem incredible to us that all of these things and many more that we haven't specifically mentioned this morning, they can all happen simultaneously when we are baptized into Christ. Let us remember that it is God, as in the passage that Brother Don read this morning from the book of Colossians, it is God who is at work in baptism. Sometimes we get into discussions with people about baptism and they say, well, that's just, that's a work, that's an act that you do and we're not saved by our works that provides us an opportunity to talk to them, I think, biblically about what, what God says in His Word about all of that. But it is very clear, at least in my mind, from the passage in Colossians 2, it is God that is working in our baptism. It is God who is cleansing our mind and cleansing our conscience. It is God who is inviting us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It is God who saves us from our sins. I, it's not me or you. It is God doing that. And it is God who makes the decision because He knows our heart and knows our motivation in baptism who is adding us to His body of saved people. And because our God is all-powerful, He is making all of these things possible. What about you this morning? Have you been baptized into Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? Have you, have you been baptized to appeal to God for a good conscience? Have you been baptized into Him so that you can put on Christ and you can live like Him and walk with Him every moment of your life. Have you done that this morning? There are always people in our audience here, especially on a Sunday morning, that haven't done that. And in no way does that earn us the right to say to God or to ourselves or to anyone else, I have done this myself. Because again, it is God that is working in our salvation. What about you this morning? Do you need to come before this good audience this morning confessing your faith that Jesus is the Christ, He is the Son of God, with the intent of making Him the Lord of your life? Do you need to come before this audience hopefully repenting of your sins if you haven't done that already and saying, I want to make a change in my life. I'm tired of the direction my life is going. And I know that my will gets me into a lot of problems and a lot of trouble and causes a lot of heartache in my life, but I know that following God's will is for my good, not only here, but eternally. And would you come this morning with enough faith to be baptized into Christ, have all of your sins washed away, and to start that process of putting Him on in your life and having that hope of eternal life in Him. As we're about to sing this song, Are You Washed in the Blood of the Lamb? If you're not, think about that. If you need to respond to that, we would urge you to do that. You don't have to do that in a public assembly. Maybe you're kind of frightened, like I was early on in my life, about doing that in front of a large number of people. You can do that in any hour of the day or night when you are convicted that that's what you need to do. But if you're convicted this morning, this is a good opportunity for you to do that very thing. If you need to become a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, won't you respond to his invitation now as we stand and as we sing?